Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Sean, how you doing tonight? Great, how are you doing? Good. I hope this music thing isn't throwing you off. It's not doing too much for me right now, so I'm just going to can it. Um, we'll just we'll work on the music part as we try to figure out the, the finer details of this. But uh, get right into it a bit here. We had uh, a big opportunity last week for the New England Revolution um, home game against the Columbus crew. Columbus not starting a lot of their regulars with Frankie Hayduk out at uh, national team duty, um, Chad Marshall injured, Danny O'Rourke suspended, and uh, Robbie Rogers also on national team duty. Uh, they actually ended up benching, uh, or rather saving, uh, Guillermo Berro Scalotto for uh, a rainy day, I guess. They didn't need to put him on the pitch. Um, but New England still couldn't uh, break it down, I guess, when it came, comes down to it. Uh, Columbus just had a little bit more uh, depth to withstand the, the depleted attack of New England Revolution. Um, when I was sitting at the stands, right actually right behind the uh, the Columbus bench on Saturday night, and uh, had a pretty good view of what was going on, it seemed pretty clear to me that the uh, Revolution just didn't have uh, that kind of attacking presence at all. Uh, and through most of the game and starting lineup um you got to correct me where i'm wrong but uh we had of course recent goal back line of uh alston osay barnes and heaps and then we had in the midfield we had uh sandy niasi um pat Phelan, shawry joseph and wells thompson, thompson. Yep. at mid left midfield, and then up front we had Kelly Dubay and Kenny Mansali. It's a lot like the lineup we saw in the beginning of the season when Steve Ralston was uh, injured at the beginning of the year, still coming back from his um, broken leg from last year, uh, I guess. But it's very similar to an ineffective lineup that we've seen in the past. Um, I don't know why they didn't go with uh, Shelby Joseph up front from the beginning. It doesn't make sense to me at all when you obviously have um, a guy like Kenny Mansali who's basically had the chance to play striker before and uh, he just doesn't seem to succeed there. Uh, and I'm going to stop blabbing now and we'll let you chime in here. But to me, it was clear that, you know, over the past few years, uh, excuse me, a few weeks um, with our depleted attack that Shari Joseph has been carrying this team not only from a leadership perspective on the field, but also from the attacking perspective on the field. He's the uh, the catalyst that um, really gets everything going as well as the guy that's been able to hold up the ball as well as had the finishing touch. What are your thoughts on that, Sean? Uh, well, I think there's a lot of questionable decisions with this lineup. First of all, starting Wells Thompson, I think he played pretty poorly, and why he wasn't the one to get subbed off too is another question uh, for me. I don't know. I don't. I never understand Wells Thompson on the left. But as far as Charlie Joseph up top, uh, I think that's something that that we like to see. But at the same time, they didn't really have a lot of options in the midfield. The midfield looked horrible, um, even with Joseph in there. And I think if you move him up there, um, slide someone in next to Pat Phelan, the possession becomes even worse. Uh, the, the team overall looked really bad in this game. I mean, Columbus, as you mentioned, were missing all those players. They benched Scalotto. It didn't look like a game that they really uh, felt they needed to win based on their lineup decisions to me. Or either that or they just knew that the Revs were bad enough that they could beat them with this team. But Columbus didn't really come into this as, as really attacking or really looking like they were you know, going for a win. Uh, I think they would have been content with the draw, but the Revs were happy to hand them over the win there. And the Revs never really got going. As you said, their offense... 
um, was anemic, never really threatened the crew at all, to be honest, throughout this match. Um, y- yes, Shari Joseph would have been a threat up top, but I don't know if there was anyone in the midfield that could get him the ball other than Shari Joseph, who uh, I didn't think had his best game either in this match. I don't think anyone in the team really was playing too well. Um, I, I know we'll talk more about it later, but I would like to see Castro you know, get a start if he, if he could, um, certainly over Wells Thompson. Uh, Mansali up top, yes, he didn't look great, I agree, but again, there really just weren't that many options out there. If you look at the bench, you had Brad Knight, uh, Steven Stefano Sengue, uh, Michi Igwe, and Chris Tierney. I don't think any of them you really want to have starting, and if you move Joseph up top, you probably have to do that. Then I, I just don't think that was something that Nickel was willing to do and probably wouldn't have really helped the team. Yeah, I guess the only other thing that I was thinking that Nickel might have done um, right off the bat, granted, we don't have uh, Jeff Lorenowitz on the pitch, so um, and we all know Stephen likes to have those two central midfielders, I mean, Steve Nickel, um, likes to have those two central midfielders right there so that we can get uh, a strong center of the field and force everything out to the wings um, from the center. Uh, really, he's always played with a strong spine, if you will, up the middle of the field. Uh, but with so many other players missing, um, it seemed to me that, uh, you know, you got to play your possession man further up in the field uh, and, um, we, we'll talk more, like I said, uh, on the on the Castro situation. But even if you didn't have Castro available, you still had uh, a guy like Mike Videra, who, as a forward, hasn't really shown much. Uh, but we know that his true position is midfield. And you know, I like the idea of having two defensive midfielders, obviously in a three-five-two position uh, formation. I yeah. don't really see the need for it in a 4-4-2. I never have. And for me, uh, if you're going to have two defensive midfielders in a 4-4-2, uh, you're really just shooting yourself in the foot, so to speak. You, you're not going to get that attacking presence you want, um, and it's really going to become a one-dimensional offense because everything's going to go through the wings, out to the side, and into the uh, the forwards. Um, and that's, you know, when you have a guy like Taylor Twelman, that works 95% of the time. Well, you know, we'll go with 50% of the time. Um, but we don't have that. And we've, we've obvious to everybody that the uh, the attacking prowess of the revolution is is anemic at this stage. It's There's nothing there. Uh, no Jankowskis to hold up the ball. No uh, Shari Joseph at, at, to hold up the ball if he's not playing forward. No Steve Ralston. No Taylor Twelman. And um, no backups on the forward line, really, to speak up. Kelly Dubay has uh, always been kind of a, not more not a hold-up guy, but more of a, a poacher. Um, yeah. And just, you know, kind of the guy that gets in the mix, cleans up the mess, able to, you know, knock in a few of the rebounds. Um, he scored some great goals for the Revolution. And, uh, you know, if, um, if he had another person to work off of, uh, like maybe even Shari Joseph, uh, you know, we might have had a couple of extra chances. But um, without that striking partner up there, he's he's as useful as like a plank of wood. And no offense to no offense to Kelly. It's 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 a kind of a, um, a bad situation for him to be in, obviously, because he's not that type of player that uh, the Revolution need up front. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree with you, but at the same time, I don't think Pat Phelan is good enough a defensive midfielder to be alone in that in that role. And I think we saw that even um, in the second half when they were up a man and they made those substitutions and they put Shari Joseph up top and they kind of had Pat Phelan next to him, kind of Mike Vadira kind of as the two um, more defensive-minded central midfielders. And I don't think even then when they were playing like the 3-5-2 that the midfield was able to keep possession, uh, especially with Shari Joseph up top. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's just a you know one-time situation because the crew were, were so content to defend back there at that point. But uh, at the same time, I don't think they looked very good, and I think they still struggled to get Shari Joseph the, the ball, even with uh, the five-man midfield. So I, I agree with you that they need Joseph up top, but they also I don't think they really have someone capable of filling in at the midfield. So I think you know, you're moving your problem from uh, forward you know, into having a central midfield and a hole there. Uh, I think when Jeff Reynolds is back, it's cer- certainly more possible. Uh, I still don't think he's ideal to play. Um, I, I still don't think it would be ideal to play Jeff Runner with next to say Mike Vadera and a four-man 
midfield. Uh, it would be nice if they could do that, but I'm, I'm just not sure they're capable of that. I think with a, you know, again, going back to a 3-5-2, uh, that would work out better. I don't know if they have the personnel in the back line to hold down a 3-5-2 as, as they did when Michael Parkhurst was anchoring the, the uh, defense. I don't know if Darius Barnes could stand in there as a center man and organize the defense as well as we saw from Parkhurst. Uh, but I, I agree, Joseph up top would be helpful, but I just don't think that they have the guys capable of then replacing him in the midfield, which is you know, the problem here. You, you make there's there's too many holes and not enough guys to fill them. Right, and the other part of the whole thing, um, they kind of did switch to a three-five-two eventually. I think they switched too yeah. late. Uh, is you know they had a man advantage for you know was it 30 minutes. Yeah, I agree. They definitely switched too late, especially considering they were down a goal when that man advantage came. I thought, I, I thought they made subs way too late. I thought at halftime the way the team was looking, that for sure some change had to be made to switch things up. And I was you know, surprised that they waited till the 60th minute to you know, finally shake things up because it was clear from the beginning of this game that this was not working. Yeah, I had the same impression. I was kind of, you know actually kind of bored by the the run of play from yeah. uh the revolution in the in the first half and and that goal that was um you know off the free kick which uh we'll also talk a little bit later we've got some comments from Matt Reese that you picked up uh as well as others that we're going to listen to in a minute um but you know obviously a miscommunication there that ball never should have gone into the goal and you could visibly see how upset he was okay so uh Let's just take a quick break for now, and then when we come back, we'll uh, we'll get right into that clip from Steve Nichol. And so just hang on for a second, and we'll be right back. Like there are so many things going on, but specifically, no, I think really, there's, there's really two things tonight, and I guess the over the overriding thing was we had no quality tonight. You know, whatever we did, whatever we tried, uh, there was no quality on it, and there's no getting away from that. You know, at the same time, you know, on the I think it was the 28th, 29th minute, we have what's definitely a penalty. Uh, which puts us one nil ahead, which is huge this time of, time of the year. You know, we've We've had a few calls like that this year, which we haven't had, and, and when it's gone the same the other way, we've got we've had them called against us. So I mean, it's a huge call for us. So it's really two things, you know. One, absolutely, we we didn't play with any quality. But if you get a penalty and you go one 0 ahead, it's a it's a different ball game. It's 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 a totally different game. So what about the, the third thing, the, the goal that was conceded from your perspective? I mean, that's yeah, it's horrible, horrible. Well, the way you put it, it's horrible. <laughs> Whatever way you want to look at it, it's, it's, it's nobody's taking charge. Well, basically nobody's taking charge. Uh, so it's a horrible goal. Was it miscommunication as well? Or? Well, no communication. Castro came out looking good tonight. Why didn't he start? Well, when he comes into the game, we're we're pushing the game. They're down to ten men, so you know. Uh, I think it's it's an easy time for anybody to come on. Um, he didn't start because he he hasn't been fit enough to start. Yeah, obviously had the the main advantage for 25 minutes. Columbus stayed compact, but it didn't seem. What did you would have preferred to see from you guys in terms of breaking them down a little bit better? Well, I think a purist would say that you've got an extra man, so you pass the ball around and break them down. But you know, the, the bottom line is that we didn't do anything with quality, so our passing wasn't wasn't uh, good enough to to do that. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, they packed it in, and you know, we had to we had to try and get scraps, and uh, we didn't we didn't manage to get any, or we didn't get on the end of any. So, did you do you think that you uh, you guys found uh, Shalry enough when you when you moved him up top? Well, it's hard. There's a million bodies in there, you know. It's it's again, you know, you can have listen. You could have a, a seven foot giant up there, but if you don't give him good service. Um, then he's not going to get ball. So you know, it doesn't matter who you've got up there. If you don't give them quality service, then they're going to be in trouble. So, but the bottom line is those two things. We, we lack quality. Absolutely no argument from me. But if we get the penalty, we're one nil up, and it's a different game completely. Part of the reason you think we guys pressing too hard or pushing too hard in that? 
Yeah, possibly, you know, everybody everybody knows how important it is, so, you know, what will we... Will we... Alright, so, obviously that's Coach Steve Nichol, New England Revolution, um, it's Hank Alexander, and John Donahue here talking about uh, last week's game against Columbus Crew, which was obviously a vital game in their playoff run. Now their back's up against the wall with just two games left uh, tomorrow night at Foxborough, Gillette Stadium, facing the uh, Chicago Fire, and then on the road again to uh, the rematch, if you will, with Columbus. Steve Nichol obviously frustrated with his team's performance, listening to that sound, uh, but he seemed to really kind of just uh, focused on the on the missed uh, penalty call by the rev, uh, by the refs and the poor quality of the play rather than the uh, the own goal not the own goal but it might as well have been an own goal yeah we basically let it through uh, but you know and fr- from that perspective really you know having seen the game firsthand uh, you were there as well looking at it from the press box Sean I mean to me it just seemed that uh, Stevie hit it right on the uh, hit the nail right on the head when there was just no quality on the pitch and uh, we had a, a comment there from uh, one of your colleagues in the press about uh, Miguel uh, Mauricio Castro uh, and why didn't he start? Um, why don't you go ahead and, and tell us a little bit about um, you know what you think about uh, Castro and uh, and that left midfielder position. Well, like you were saying, and like the Steve Nichol was saying, the quality just wasn't there. And I think Castor came on and immediately saw the quality that he brings to the field. Um, it was interesting, Nichol, uh, as Nichol pointed out, it was a situation where they were uh, up a man, but uh, it didn't seem to make the rest of the team look better. And certainly when Castor came on, he looked like he had quality that the rest of the team didn't possess. Um, to me, he should have been starting from the beginning, whether or not he was 90 minutes fit, you know, sub him out if he needs a sub, but... Uh, I think he brings a lot more to the table than Wells Thompson does, especially at left midfield, where Wells Thompson I don't think really contributed to all of this team other than you know a few not not so smart tackles that he made in the game and possibly could have gotten carded for. I think he actually did get a card at some point or was close to getting a card or something like that. But anyways, I think Castro, as we mentioned last week, is a lot a lot better than any of the other wing players on this team at keeping possession, uh, with the exception of Steve Ralston when he plays there, but. Uh, he brings something to the field that the rest of these guys don't. Uh, he's a lot smarter of a player when he gets the ball. Um, you expect him to do something with it where he's going to keep the ball, not necessarily always you know, make a run forward. If he doesn't see something, he'll pass it back to somebody and he'll help the team keep possession. Uh, but he also is a lot better at consistently serving in good balls into the box. Uh, we talked about with Wells Thompson, San Ignacio, Kenny Mansali. Those guys have a lot of speed. Uh, they work hard, but the final pass isn't always there. You know, sometimes you see it, and uh, probably most of the time you don't. And with Castro, every time you expect the ball to be dangerous, and most of the times it is. And also in a game like this, where a free kick can be so critical, I, I think without Steve Rawson out there, without Jeff Theronowitz out there, you're you're let you're letting guys like Henny Mansai take these free kicks. Uh, yes, occasionally he serves in a good ball, as you we were saying, which is you know the same uh, from the run of play as he is on free kicks. Uh, a lot of the times they're not good. We saw a lot of the times where the ball can clear the wall. Uh, with Castro, again, at free kicks, he serves consistently, puts in a good ball, and that's something that's very important for this team, especially when you can't get it done uh, in the run of play, and they certainly couldn't. And with guys like Shara Joseph out there, you have some big targets um, on these free kicks, and you've got to get good balls in there, and I think that's something that Castro certainly provides um, with both his left foot and his right foot, and that's pretty rare um, in this league to have a guy that can shoot in free kicks both, with both feet. So I think he brings a lot to the field offensively. Um, maybe Nickel doesn't see him as the best defender. Uh, he probably isn't as fast to get back as well as Thompson, but I think he's a smart player, doesn't lose possession as often, so he doesn't get caught up um, as, as frequently as some of these other guys do. And I think you need him out on the field at this point uh, without a guy like Steve Rawson available, uh, and especially in this game where you don't really have that many options left. Uh, there's one guy out there that can keep possession, and I think if you do have him out there too, I do think that putting Shara Joseph up top uh, isn't going to be as detrimental to the team's midfield. Right. And I think uh, we've talked about it a bit in the past with, um, in regards with uh, Wells Thompson, and I think he's just a, he's much better off the bench and late in games. He is a better defender than um, Nyasi or Mansali. So, 
you know, you look at him as a potential late-game substitute. When you have a lead, you want to preserve that lead a little bit. He's an aggressive player. He's not afraid to obviously go in and get a yellow card here or there. Uh, we've seen that too many times from him. But uh, he's he's that type of player that um, can eat up some minutes for you too because he um, can, you know, get on that ball and he can slow things down. He can mix things up and he can he can win you a ball. He can win you a free kick in, you, in his own half. Um, but like you said, he's not Steve Ralston. Um, and, you know, Mauricio Castro probably isn't Steve Ralston either, but uh, he's a lot closer to Stevie than uh, than Wells Thompson is. And I've not seen enough of Mauricio Castro to say he's 100% fit and he can come back in and start. Um, I don't know if you've made it down to any of the practices. I certainly haven't. Uh, as not an accredited member of the press, I'm not invited to such things. But um, from what I understand is that Castro has been looking sharp in practice. And, uh, you know, we saw quality from him last Saturday. Granted, it was a situation where he had a little bit more room on the field uh, being a man up. Plus, you know, Columbus was playing – bunker ball they parked the bus in front of the goal every cliche in the book you know just 10 men behind the ball um and then you know waited for a counter opportunities to uh to kind of move the ball down to the other end of the field and eat up some time and they did it very well and they could have probably done it all night long the way that the revolution were looking uh any other thoughts on on the mauricio castro situation well first of all even if he wasn't 100 percent fit and from what I've heard from, I, I can't say myself that I've been to practice lately, but from what I've heard from those that have been, that he's been you know, training fully lately and you know looks great, like you said, looking sharp. Uh, I thought he should have come on a lot sooner, even if you weren't going to start him. Uh, even at halftime, it seemed like to me like he should come on. And in addition to that, I don't think he should have came on for uh, Sandy Niasi. Uh, albeit Niasi wasn't having the greatest game, but he was actually creating some chances down the right side, whereas Wells Thompson uh, in this game, you know, give Wells Thompson some credit, you know, he has had some good games this year. He has scored some goals and set up some goals. But in this game, he he really wasn't doing much at all, it seemed like to me. He wasn't getting involved in the attack very often. And Niasi was one of the few guys that had created a couple of chances. Uh, he was being inconsistent, but he was looking dangerous when he was getting the ball. And I thought that uh, Castro should have came on for Wells Thompson and not Niasi at that point. Uh, again, I don't know, you know what went into that decision. Maybe Niasi was tired. But uh, to me, uh, whether or not Castro was fit, uh, he should have came on sooner. I, I certainly think he could have played more than 11 minutes from what I've heard of you know, where he's been. Uh, he was the last substitution that the Revs even brought on. Uh, surprising to me that Vader and Cole Luca come on before him, even if Nickel doesn't want to start him again. Right. Uh, but it was interesting, too, listening to Nickel's comment. It seemed like he almost didn't want to give Caster any credit for coming on and looking sharp. Uh, I, I don't know why that was, but to me, you know, follow-up question would have been, you know, if, if it was so easy for Castro to look good, why did the rest of the team look so bad even when they were in that same situation? Right. That's one, probably a quick way to get exited out of the uh, the press box with Steve Nickel, yeah. um, the press conference room, whatever it is. Uh, anyway, let's um, – well, time is flying by. Let's uh, let's take another quick break. We'll come back. We'll listen to a, uh, a clip from uh, Matt Reese, and uh, we'll get some comments there on, on how uh, that goal is – was uh, went down from his perspective. So just hang on, everybody, while we uh, play around with this stuff. Stick around.
seemed like the team today just kind of didn't ever really get going. What, what, what was the, the problem out there? You know, they played a physical game with us, and uh, whenever we got the ball down, we, we just didn't make the right decisions passing. We just weren't on our game that way. And uh, we ended up having to just try and play long balls. And, uh, you know, their, their two center backs did a good job. We had to put Shari up there because, uh, you know, we weren't really keeping possession at all. And, um, you know, it helped a bit. But in the end, we were just, uh, you know, we were just lumping the ball forward. Is it frustrating dropping these points at home, especially having the man advantage for half last half hour of the game? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we've been shut out the last three games, and, you know, going into the playoffs, that uh, that makes it difficult. So, actually, we didn't get shut out the last three games. But, you know, we're not, we're not scoring very many goals. We have to play perfect, and, um, you know, we're not doing that right now. Is that pressure to you, Matt? I mean, somebody, you know, knowing that the offense is struggling, you have to play that much better to, you know, to keep it close. Yeah, you know, we got to play perfect in the back, and um, you know, you're, not every game's going to be perfect, and you, you know, you saw that tonight, and um, you know, you need that little bit of a cushion where you know you can make some mistakes. What happened on the uh, goal that kind of just kind of just danced right through? I mean, it's a miscommunication. Yeah, it was, it was a miscommunication. Yeah, were you calling calling guys off on that? I said away, and um, and yeah, he must have thought I said keeper, so. You know, it's just a, a miscommunication, and unfortunately, we, uh, you know, that's what cost us the game. Can you talk about Castro's performance tonight? Um, you know, he got in uh, there at the end and, and, you know, played a few good balls in, and, um, you know, he's, he's a good player and he's got a, a good touch, so, um, you know, it's good for him to get, get back in there, and, um, you know, we, we, need, uh, we need him for the, for the stretch. You have so many guys. Can you still get to the playoffs, and how do you adjust? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely think we have enough talent to, to get to the playoffs. It's it's tough, but um, you know, we have a, another game at home next weekend, and then uh, at Columbus. So um, you know, we just have to have to regroup and refocus, and you know, try again. How important is it to get points in that next game against Chicago before going on the road against the Columbus, who's obviously a very tough home team? Um, yeah, it is. You know, and, and Chicago's no no pushover, and um, you know we just we have to play a perfect game in the back, and and you know get some get some chances on goal. All right, so in the locker room, huh? With, yeah. Uh, with Matt Reese there, um, Matt having the perspective from you know one end of the field for a while there, you know towards the end, Rebs were pressuring. Looked like we might be able to score, but like I said earlier, the the, the crew just was just playing bunker ball, um, and uh, you know the uh, the the question Mauricio Castro posed to Matt Reese as well. Um, obviously, there are a few people in in the uh, stands that are wondering the same things we are in terms of uh, what does the guy have to do to get playing time on this team. But um, so uh, you know the overall feedback from from Matt Reese in terms of, of how the goal scored, just a, a communication breakdown. And I think it's something that we've seen a couple of times this year with uh, with him and Emmanuel Ose. And uh, I don't know if you agree with that or not, Sean. What do you think? Yeah, and to clarify, he was talking about Ose on that play. Uh, it's, it seems like that we have seen that a, a couple of times. But at the same time, it, it did seem like in that situation, you would have thought Matt Reese would go for the ball. It was... Know, pretty close to him, and think the safer play would be to have him you know, grab it and come off his line and get it. But uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly what went on there. But according to Reese, you know, he set away and Ose uh, thought he heard keeper or something like that. So you know, it's frustrating that this late in the season that you'd have that communication problem, especially in a situation like that that would lead to a goal. So uh, disappointing to see them give up, give up a goal in that fashion, especially at this point of the season where you know every point is so vital. Absolutely, and you're looking at that. That play, it's just something that you don't expect, you know. Like you said, it's it's you know we've got two games left. You can't be doing this with two games left in the season. This is those are rookie mistakes that you know you get the kinks worked out of after a few you know preseason games and maybe after a few uh, few games to open the season, but not not you know 25 games into the season with um, you know Emmanuel Oseg, uh, you know who's a seasoned player. You know, even if he does have a communication gap or communication barrier in terms of language or whatever, he uh, he's been around enough to know 
that um, you know where that ball is and and where his keeper is, and he should have been able to you know pick up on the fact that it's a dangerous ball. Let's get it the hell out of here. Um, you know, and granted, you know we we both kind of play soccer on, in our free time, whatever, and we know how these things can happen. But yeah. you know. We're not professionals either. <laughs> this is not something you expect from a professional caliber team, uh, and it was really just kind of shocking to see that that goal scored. Um, and and you know, without their best players on the pitch, you just thought that New England really had an opportunity there. Obviously, uh, opportunity was lost to New England. Um, but coming up, we've got. Uh, we've all, we've we've got a clip from Shawree Joseph. Why don't we just go ahead and play that now, and then uh, we'll get into next week's game. So just hang on for a second while I view that up. It's especially frustrating. I mean, seeing the guys like Columbus were messing the team like this. Yeah, it's painfully frustrating to be honest about it that we didn't step up to the challenge. I mean, we could have done a lot tonight by getting three points or even a point tonight and securing a place in the playoff. You can say on tonight we just come out lackluster and we didn't do what we supposed to to get the points. Bottom line. How did you find it to get on the ball when when Stevie moved you up front? It seemed like there were a ton of bodies in the corner. Yeah, we didn't even see the ball short the midfield. It was just like boom, boom. We tried to put it behind them. We wasn't doing that. Then I go up top. We didn't win no ball. Me and Kelly wasn't doing anything. It was just frustrating all over, man. Just frustrating. Just disappointing to lose that kind of goal? Because, I mean, I know you guys weren't playing particularly well, but to lose that kind of goal. I mean, it was a miscommunication between Matt and Aussie. Aussie probably thought Matt called and Matt, he said a waiver. And then the day it went in and we didn't do nothing about trying to get an equalizer. I mean, we pushed and we tried to get it, but it wasn't good enough. We didn't move the ball. We didn't create chances. It was just, it was just lackluster. You can say it was just not good effort at all on our part and the whole team. How, how do you change that going into Chicago next week? I mean, we got to wake up and realize what's at stake right now. The thing about that, man, I said, once you get in the playoff, you can still win it. You just got to get in and then you make noise. So all we got to worry about now is just getting the win next week and try to beat Chicago. Is it tough with the you know, room for error, you know, increasingly going down every week and you drop points? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can't drop points at all. There's three games left. And as I said, we got a lot at stake right now. I play about that. And then we needed to win tonight or get points tonight, and we didn't do that. We let down our fans. We let down ourselves by not showing a better effort and not putting it together all day. Wow. Obviously, obvious. Uh, Shari, very frustrated with his performance in that game, um, as well as that of his teammates. Uh Tough words coming from uh, the, the kind of interim captain, Stevie Ralston's absence. Um, you were there. You were talking to him. What was his vibe? I mean, I, I think you uh, you actually had to edit some of the uh, the more, uh, shall we say, uh, flamboyant language that he used. Yeah, it was clear from the beginning that he was very frustrated. He did have to edit a little bit out of there because he didn't, didn't want to put that over the air, but uh, he was very, very, very frustrated with how the team performed there. You know, he recognizes it was a great opportunity for the team. I mean, a few weeks ago, maybe look at this game, Columbus first place. Uh, you know, it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be very hard for them to get points here. Uh, but how it ended up playing out, you know, Columbus had already locked their playoff spot. You know, all but guaranteed first place in the East. Uh, all these guys missing and then even benching Scalotto. This was a great opportunity for this team, possibly, you know, the best chance in these la- of these last three games to get three points. And he was clearly, clearly recognized that, and was clearly very frustrated with how the team played, uh, with, with how he played as well, and you know how just overall they were unable to keep possession, unable to create any chances. That he certainly knew the importance of this game. Yeah, and as as we're looking ahead um, to this, this uh, Saturday night's game, you know, with the people, the people that have got in place. place Shari is really it. He's, he's, he's the guy, the guy that's got to, you know, you know, show show the rest of the, the rest team, of the team what's expected, what's, expected and what's you know, you know, what's going what's going what, 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 what is it, what is it take to actually actually get these get points, these points, these last few points, points, points on the on the, uh, the home stretch here. Yeah. yeah. Without him, without him, you know, you know I'm, actually, I'm actually glad that, glad he, was that he was that vocal about it, and hopefully he will step up about it in the locker room. 
because, because the other the other the other people on the team need to see this. See that, you know, you got some first year players in this league. You know, basically Mike Madera is a rookie. No, he did have kind of a half season in Scotland. You've, you've got some younger players like Nyasi and Mansali, who, despite having been here for a couple of seasons now, they're still very young. Um, and then you've got uh, you know Pat Phelan, who's fairly new, Kenneth, Kevin Alston, Darius Barnes, both rookies this year. You know, we've got a fairly young team, uh, and you've got to look to your veterans like Shari Joseph to kind of step it up and lead this team, not only on the field, but in the locker room as well. And and uh, it's kind of nice to hear him uh, in a kind of a sick, perverse, nice kind of way, uh, to hear him get visibly upset, and uh, or audibly upset, I should say. Uh, and hopefully that that's carrying over, and that will provide some motivation uh, to tomorrow night's game. Yeah, certainly, as you said, I think Shara Joseph really is the guy this team is relying on now to kind of carry them on their back, and it's unfortunate because there's some quality players in this team, uh, guys like Ross and Twalman that, you know, for years have been carrying this team, you know, with him, and now it really comes down to him to lead this team to the championship. There's a lot of, you know, fairly inexperienced guys out there. Uh, I do think next week uh, Jeff Leronowitz should be available at least on the bench, and, you know, if he can start that game, I think that'll be a pretty significant boost to the Revs. Uh, I, you know, Kudamak Blanco for Chicago has been traveling with the Mexican national team, so he might be tired. Who knows, maybe Chicago... Uh, doesn't start him. I probably end up well because this game is pretty important to them too. They're still in a situation where they could end up, you know, missing out on the playoffs as well. If the Revs win this game, you know, those two teams are tied, and I think the Revs actually hold the tiebreaker there. Uh, but like you were saying, Shara Joseph is the guy this team's relying on to lead them at this point, and he was clearly frustrated. I'm sure he did uh, voice that frustration to the team after the match, and I- I'm sure he's going to be pushing this team hard uh, this week, and certainly going to make it known that he wants that victory and that this team needs to win against Chicago uh, this weekend. Yeah, and uh, just looking ahead at the uh, the injury report, um, it, it seems that Jeff Lorenowitz has been upgraded to uh, probable, which is good news because um, Jeff's a tough guy. He, if he's you know carrying a slight knock, he'll he'll try his best to get out on the, on the pitch. Um, However, what's kind of bad news is that uh, Matt Reese apparently has a, uh, a slight ankle sprain um, that he received uh, in uh, yesterday's training session. So um, they're doing what they can to get him ready. Obviously, you want to go with Matt Reese and goal to you know provide that veteran leadership. You know, like we said, you've got um, Matt Reese in the back and Shari Joseph up front, and that's basically your leadership on this team. I mean, you got you got some guys like um, Kevin Alston, who in a way is is kind of stepping up and uh, doing what he can, and, and you know playing beyond his right back role for a, for a rookie. He's very aggressive, and I think uh, he's actually being encouraged to be that aggressive uh, because they're looking for that extra spark from. Um, from the wings, perhaps, uh, and then you got you got Jay Heaps, obviously an, another senior veteran presence on the back yeah. line. Um, but you know you got those three guys, and that's it. The rest of them fairly new, um, and some of them aren't really all that great with English. So uh, apparently, uh, also Jankowskis is is questionable. Who knows what that means? Um, this. <laughs> This injury report, reading this injury, these injury reports this week, uh, this season rather, has been kind of a, a guessing game. It's like, okay, so what does that really mean? And Taylor Twelman wasn't wasn't listed out uh, for a long time, and yet he never played. Um, finally, they just put him on the disabled list. And uh, so Igaris Jankowskis, the fact that he's questionable could mean that he has, you know, um, a migraine headache, or you know, it says here it's an adductor strain. Um, could also mean that he's, you know, got appendicitis. Who knows? Um, but we're uh, we're coming down to, like we said, the last two games tomorrow night, Chicago, in Foxborough. Um, what do you know about Chicago other than, uh, you know, they've had some, they've had an up and down season. They have an abysmal home record. I know. Um, I'm not too sure what they're doing in terms of. Uh, 
I guess they're they're fairly good on the road, but the uh, obviously they've they've won more than their fair share of games. They're in second place. A um, little bit of shake up earlier in the season in the locker room there. I'm not sure how that's fully played out. It looks like it's kind of smoothed itself out. Um, but again, not not really lighting the league on fire. No pun intended. Uh, but you know they're they're a force to be reckoned with. And uh, do you have any insight as to um, how the Chicago Fire are going to come out tomorrow night? Well, you know, like you were saying, they've been a bad team at home. But on the flip side, you know, they have the best road record in the league. And unfortunately for the Revs, they're playing Chicago at home. The best road team in the league is their last home game, and then their final away game against Columbus, who are the best home team in the league. Uh, but I, I do think that those two can both be misleading because Columbus, uh, at that point, will probably have really nothing to play for. They, there's a good chance that Columbus could even have locked up the supporter shield you know, by the last game of the season. But uh, more importantly, this game this weekend as a must-win for the Revs, uh, for sure. Um, and I think Chicago, as I said, Blanco might be tired. Uh, as you talked about the Revs injury report, looking at the Revs injury report, I know Kyle McCarthy was at practice this weekend. I believe he posted that. Uh, Jeff Theranos is likely to start this on Saturday, and uh, Jankowska should be available too, uh, as well as Reese. So that's good news. Uh, don't expect Jankowska to start, certainly, but uh, that's good news there. But I, again, focusing on Chicago here, uh, like you said, they started off the season really strong. Um, they were in good shape. You know, it was actually the middle part of the season that they were doing really well. But recently, uh, this is a team, I know we mentioned it last week, that hasn't won since August 23rd. And they even really haven't been playing that many games lately. I don't know if there's you know, some friendly or something that they've had in between, but they haven't, their last game was uh, October 2nd. So uh, they've been a long time without a game, which can be a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, you know, maybe they've figured out what's wrong and fixed it during that time. They certainly had lots of time to train, but at the same time, uh, I, I think it can be bad for these teams to go you know, over two weeks without a game. Uh, we've seen from the Revs before that you know, it's great that they get the rest, but uh, they don't look as sharp after two weeks. And that's something that the Revs need to take advantage of. Certainly at the start of the match, I think the Revs should be pushing for this one. Uh, they know how important it is, and you know, maybe catch Chicago off guard. Uh, having not played for two weeks, I think that Chicago is, could be vulnerable in the opening stages of this match, and it might take them a little bit of time you know, to get everything going. Um, especially if Blanco is unavailable or if Blanco, uh, they decide to rest uh, because he, he had been playing with an injury and then he had traveled with Mexico. So, you know, you don't know what the situation is there. Uh, a key for them, though, is that Brian McBride has come back recently into the lineup and he's playing for them. We know how vital he can be uh, for that team. And that's going to be a tough guy for the uh, Revolution backline to deal with. Yeah, I was going to mention the fact that he uh, he just came back from there. Um, isn't all that great for... Uh for New England, he's he's a notorious um, goal scorer. Obviously, you know his his record speaks for itself. Um, there was that also. I think he uh, as as much as I admire Brian and and his career, what he's done for the United States, and what he's been able to do um, overseas, and you know come back and be such a force at his age, having gone through all the injuries that he's gone through. Um, he got a really soft foul. Uh, <laughs> I think the last time we played him, he drew a penalty. Um, was that in the? Uh, it might have been in the Super League game. I'm not sure. It was. It was pretty sure it was. Gonna yeah, be I, I remember what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I was not too thrilled, with, obviously, uh, with with the the legend that is Brian McBride at that at that stage. But you know, that's what forwards do, and you know, people you know often point the finger at you know Taylor Twelman and and. Uh, you know, we defend it as gamesmanship or whatever. So, you know, what goes around comes around maybe. But um, he, my point is, is that you you have to watch out for for Brian McBride. He's uh he's going to be very tough. Um, uh, he's going to be a big ask for the likes of Darius Barnes to uh, to challenge and and keep under wraps. Um, from an injury standpoint. Chicago's got uh, a few injuries. They've got he's got uh, John Thorington's out. Tim Ward is out. So uh, those guys have been put in a lot of minutes earlier in the season for for both of them. Um, William Woman Conde is questionable with a hip contusion. Uh, Gonzalo Cigares is also questionable with a knee sprain. And Stefan Dimitrov uh, is is also questionable with an abdominal strain. Um, I don't know much about Dimitrov, but I do also know that they, you know, like we said, they've got McBride, they've got uh, 
they've got uh, Rolf, Chris Rolf, um, who I think is, you know, he's he's actually been talking about moving overseas. Um, but if you take a look at the rest of their, their roster, they've got uh, his name, Papa, Marco Papa. He's a dangerous player. Patrick Nyarko, he's fast, speedy uh, forward. Um, and they've got some pretty uh, solid season defenders in there that can take the place of these guys like uh, um, Brandon Perdoe, uh and the other one I'm thinking of. T.J. Brown. Yes. Yeah, he's he's been around forever. Uh, so these guys aren't going to lay down. They're definitely not going to lay down. And uh, they want to get... Um, they want to, yeah. Probably they want to get into the playoffs. I mean, they're they're already in the playoffs, pretty much um, guaranteed. I think they have guaranteed a playoff spot. Not necessarily. They actually haven't yet. I think um, if they lose to the Revs, the Revs will actually tie with them on points. And then Chicago's last game, I believe, is going to be a pretty difficult one. I think they're playing. Um, they're finishing off the season against Chivas, who's you know, been playing pretty well lately. So I, I, I think they're going to look at this game as a pretty big, important win too. Because uh, should the Revs beat Chicago, they'll be tied on points. And like I said, I believe the Revs hold the tiebreaker against Chicago at that point as well. Uh, right. and, and then it comes down to, you know, Chicago's holding off these same guys the Revs have to hold off in the final regular season game because uh, whether or not the Revs, uh, well, actually, should the Revs win this game and get to 41 points and should Chicago be at 41 points, uh, I think no matter what, there's still going to be teams that uh, could, could still challenge them for the playoff spot in that last game should the Revs win because there are teams like Salt Lake now um, who's just, um, I believe... Salt Lake is actually, yeah, one point behind the Revs. So should they win their next game, they'll be at 40 points. There's a lot of teams that uh, this is going to come down to the last day no matter what happens. So uh, for Chicago, a win here would clinch them a playoff spot. And I think that's going to be important for them to come out and get a victory because they're going to have a tough time against Chivas USA, who's in a tight race right now at the Western Conference uh, with the three teams on top tied with 44 points. Um, So that's not going to be – this is going to be a game that Chicago views as important certainly not a situation like Columbus last week where Columbus had clinched the spot and has basically clinched first in the East. Right. And, uh, yeah, I just looked at the uh, the table. And if you haven't looked at settingthetable.com, it's a great uh, website. It puts the entire MLS uh, playoff uh, picture into perspective in the format of a single table um, rather than the East and the West. It's a great, uh, great website. I highly recommend it. Um, and it, you know, it does list the, the players, uh, rather the teams that have already clinched, and the only one from the East that have clinched so far is the Columbus Crew. Um, but uh, surprisingly, uh, three teams from the West have already clinched, um, those being L.A., uh, Chivas, uh, I'm going from the bottom up here, L.A., Chivas, and uh, Houston Dynamo, all locked in on 44 points, but uh, goal differential being the differentiator there with Houston goal differential 9, Chivas USA goal differential 5, and LA uh, Galaxy uh, goal differential of 3. Then comes Chicago Fire, then Seattle Sounders, then Colorado Rapids, and then the only other Eastern team in the playoff picture, uh, our own New England Revolution. Just scary picture here for the East, uh, and we talked a little bit about it last week. New England Revolution sitting in the eighth and final playoff spot with a goal differential of minus five. How how does that happen? And early, I mean, obviously their early success uh, in the beginning of the season, where they were able to bang out those draws, grab a win on, uh, on the road in Seattle. Uh, you know, when they weren't at full strength, um, obviously coming to play now, but you know their form as of late. Um, you know, lost, draw, loss. Uh, the last three games, not good, not good. And so, um, looking ahead, I just, I'm wondering how they're going to get three points out of this game tomorrow night. They need three points out of this game. Um, I, you know, maybe Chicago. Chicago needs three points. So we've, because we've just talked about, we just. You know, confirmed that they need three points to lock up their playoff spot. Um, they're going to do it tomorrow night, or they're going to do it against. Uh, who'd you say they're playing the last? Chivas. Game? Chivas, and Which won't be easy. Won't be easy, but you know, maybe Chivas goes easy on them because Chivas is um, 
uh, like we've already said, they've already locked up their playoff spot. So yeah, but I'm sure I'm sure they have like home field advantage too because you know, right now, as I mentioned, the West is you know Los Angeles, Houston, and Chivas right. all tied on 44 points. So uh, I, I think the playoff picture this year really is leading leading to a very exciting finish. I think it's more exciting than we've seen in years, where with all these teams still in the hunt. I mean. Uh, really, you have Kansas City, New York, and San Jose, the only three teams that don't still have a shot. Um, it's, it's quite the stretch here. You have FC Dallas, who's really been on fire lately, probably the most on-form team. Uh, they're still there. Uh, it, it's going to be hard for them, but I think that they're in the same situation as Toronto and D.C. at 36 points. If the refs slip up, uh, they could overcome them in, in the standings this week. Uh, but at the same time, if the refs win, then you have... You know, the Revs in Chicago tied in 41 points. Potentially Seattle still on 41. Uh, Colorado's at 40. It, none of these teams have playoff spots locked up, uh, with the exception of those four you mentioned. So this is quite the interesting stretch with you know, just two games remaining that all these guys uh, are still in a position to make the playoffs. Right. It's um, it's looking pretty pretty tense all around. In fact, I saw something on the uh, Revolution website saying that the only way that the Revs can clinch um, – tomorrow night is if they win and everybody else loses basically um it, it was uh it's pretty pathetic when you, you know got dc united who um you know have on a three-game losing streak right now um they're tied in uh with toronto fc and fc dallas fc dallas obviously on fire um winning four out of their last five, that's crazy. I mean, who is this Dallas team? We were all talking about what a joke Shellis Hemman was. Um, he's got these guys playing on fire, you know, miraculously since the day Kenny Cooper left this team, literally. Kenny Cooper uh, gets signed away, is in the stands as um, Jeff Cunningham single-handedly turns this team around, and now they've, they've gone on this incredible, incredible run. Uh, they've, um, I think they've scored more goals than any other team. Uh, yep, they've scored 47 goals, and now they're threatening to be in the playoff um, race. And if, I'm, I'm not sure who they're playing this weekend, but it's... Uh, Colorado. Yeah, and that's a tough rivalry. Colorado, not looking too good. Uh, they are in the qualification um, rather... They have they are in the uh, uh, seventh playoff spot right now, um, having won. Excuse me, having drawn four out of their last five, no wins in their last five. So they're not looking like they're playing too well, and they've had a lot of late minute penalty kicks awarded to them to, to uh, preserve those equalizers. Uh, they could be down at the bottom, um, well, at least four points less. Uh, so they could be down around 36, um, and tied with, literally tied with FC Dallas at this stage. But uh, back to the revolution, um, what do you think is going to be the, the key for the Revs tomorrow night? Uh, I, I think anytime you go against Chicago, uh, the key is stopping Blanco at this point. Uh, you know he's going to create something out of nothing. Uh, really, this is a team that's given up some some unnecessary free kicks around the box. I think we've seen from the Revs this year from uh, some unnecessary tackles from guys like Wells Thompson, as you mentioned, and you know, even Ose occasionally making a play that they're not so great, giving up a foul there. Any of these guys can give up fouls outside the box, and you can't do that against Chicago because Blanco can really punish you for that. Uh, should he not start, which is a possibility, but uh, I, I think we'll probably see him start because of the importance of this game. And like you mentioned, Chris Rolfe, uh, he's been out of the lineup for a couple of weeks, but he's actually supposed to start this weekend. He's come back from a minor injury, so that's going to be dangerous for the Revs. And a guy like Justin Mapp, who hasn't always um, started this year, I, he's been very dangerous against the Revs in the past. He's a guy that they've had a lot of trouble against. He brings a lot of speed down the flank, and uh, though he can be inconsistent too, uh, he's a danger man as well. So I, I think this, mat- this match is going to be one in the midfield. Uh, Chicago's got a strong midfield, and the Revs are going to need to contain them, which won't be easy for them at all. And that's really what's gonna, what they need to do to, to get a victory here. I think Shari Joseph um, and Jeff Leronowitz, can do that. I think it's important that they have Jeff Lerner's back, but I do think that he brings a lot more to the table than Pat Phelan does. Uh, but it's going to be difficult for this team to score as well. And I, I think the Revs, on the flip side, need to take advantage of their set pieces. And that's another area, like I mentioned earlier, where it would be great to see Mauricio Castro and for it. Because like you said, this is a game the Revs need to win. 
however, I do want to mention one other thing about the, the teams uh, in the hunt. Uh, it's interesting looking at the schedule this weekend. You have Salt Lake playing Toronto. Uh, you have Colorado playing Dallas. You have uh, those are two. T- those are four teams right there that still have a locked up a playoff spot. And a lot could change this weekend with what happens in those results. I, I think by the end of this weekend, uh, I don't think the Rebels, like you said, I don't think it's possible the Rebels will clinch even if they do win. Uh, so by next week, there's going to be some teams left in the hunt. But I do think this weekend we are going to see a few teams uh, that are no longer in the playoff picture based on these games. So this weekend is going to be pretty key to the, to the uh, final standings of the season. But it, no matter what happens next weekend, it's still going to be very important as well with, what ha- with uh, those matchups. Right. I agree. Um, yeah, Blanco, uh, just for your information, Blanco did play. Uh, looks like he played for the second half. Um, or most of the second half of the game against Trinidad Tobago, where um, Trinidad uh, threatened to steal three points away from Mexico, um, but Mexico was able to uh, come back and uh, equalize. And so you're thinking maybe maybe Blanco is too tired. Let's hope so. I'm. Um, We've seen it in the past with Chicago too, where. Uh, they're tentative to play Blanco, you know, too frequently when he's just played like a midweek game, and especially from the traveling. So I, I think uh, the situation here might force them to play Blanco because they really are in need of a win. Uh, if they lose this game, I think they're in, a, in big trouble heading into the final regular season game because I don't think that you know they're going to have an easy time against Chivas. As I mentioned, they have a lot to play for as well. Uh, so I, I do think that you know we'll probably see Blanco. Uh, but again, you know, maybe we'll see Blanco, and Blanco will be tired, and that will be an advantage to the Rebs as well. Who knows? But I, I think it is always important to, to stop him. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably going to be the key. And also, uh, the the thing that seems to burn the Rebs a lot um, are are speedy wingers, speedy uh, players like Chris Rolf, um, Patrick Nayarko. I think those guys, you know, the Rebs have have in the past been able to handle the big name players um people like Angel, people like Blanco, people like McBride uh keep them from scoring goals but then you know you got guys like like Chris Rolf and and Josh Wolf who come out of nowhere Patrick Nyarko Justin too Mapp. Justin Map um these guys can they're dangerous with their speed and they can uh they can take advantage if the Reds are playing forward a lot and you know Alston's up on the wing, uh, Justin Mapp might be able to take advantage of that, but I, I can guarantee you that Steve Nichol is, is pounding um, pictures of Justin Mapp into uh, Kevin Alston's head right now. So, um, Yeah, and that, that's something, too, where we've talked about Alston in the past and he, how he gets forward so frequently. That's actually something that we didn't see um, last week, and I think Kevin Alston really was, you know, didn't get forward much at all, which was surprising from him, but uh, more importantly, this weekend, I think that he might have to stay back a little bit more because, uh, you know, if you get caught forward, you know, Chicago certainly has the speed to, to, to really hurt you in that situation. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, well, we have been going. Believe it or not, we've been going for 58 minutes, um, maybe a little less than that. But uh, any big, uh, big news that you want to uh, unload on us before uh, tomorrow night's game? I assume you're going to be there. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly going to be there, and I'm hoping for a better performance than what we saw against Columbus. Uh, I'm actually just checking into some stuff on Blanco, and it looks like that he's not you know, 100% still, and that they're not actually expecting him to start, but you know, hoping, hoping that maybe he can. That's probably why he didn't start for uh, Mexico either, is that he's not 100%. So that's you know, positive news for the Revs, that even if he does play, you know, he's not 100% going into this game. Um, McBride, as you mentioned, he was starting off the season pretty hot, um, since he came back from his injury, I think he just has one goal. So, you know, there are a few things that you can look at positively from the rest perspective going into this game. Um, I'm sure if the runaways comes back, that's going to be big. Uh, I'm not willing to, after last week, I thought the Rebs were going to win that game, but I'm not willing to make that same prediction now, but I do think it's vital that the Rebs get a win here. And if they do get a win here, I think there's a good chance that we could see Chicago, you know, as bad as they've been playing lately, actually fall out of the playoff picture uh, going into that final weekend. I think that they might be a team that gets eliminated if the Revs can come together and win this match. Because, again, Chicago hasn't won a match. As bad as the Revs have been playing, and we've been talking about that, they've you know, not been playing well. But Chicago hasn't been playing, it's been playing even worse uh, without a win since August 23rd. So they're not an informed team right now, and this is an opportunity that the Revs can't miss. 
I think if they, I think if the Revs lose this game, I, I can't see them making the playoffs. But if they win this game, I, I think it's possible that they can go into Columbus and, you know, sneak out with even a draw and actually make it into the playoffs. Yeah, that, that would be scary. I know also, um, you know, you look at a team like Colorado that's just kind of barely holding on to that spot without a lot of offense, um, you know, and uh, they're going up against um, FC Dallas this weekend. And then then uh, after that, I believe it's um, – I'm, I'm drawing a big blank. Well, Colorado's uh, face Salt Lake. Salt uh, Lake's the, the, the last game. Two in-conference kind of rivals. Uh, are they going to be playing at Salt Lake, do you know? Yeah, at Salt Lake, so that's not going to be an easy game for them. And they're at Dallas, so Colorado has a tough schedule to finish the season. Um, yep. Certainly wouldn't surprise me to see them you know, drop out of the playoffs picture. Yep. You, know, you, you can look at Seattle, Colorado, and Chicago, um, and as as tough as the Rev situation is, too, certainly the Rev's are in a worse situation, but uh, they're far from clinched playoff spot, too, so they all need wins. You know, this weekend to to actually secure their spot in the playoffs because they have tough schedules coming up against teams that uh, have everything to play for. Right, Seattle has Kansas City this week. I think I've uh, in Kansas City. I think I've actually picked um, uh, Seattle to win that one, uh, and then they follow up with a game in against FC Dallas, but in Seattle. Uh, so. You're going to have that home field advantage for Seattle, that, but they've been uh, struggling to score goals. Um, they'll need to turn it on as well. But, okay, so tell you what, let's wrap it up for this week. Um, we've kind of uh, beat the the uh, debacle against Columbus crew. Well, I think it's uh, worth mentioning one thing, too, is that if the Revs beat Chicago, uh, I, as I've said, mentioned, I'm pretty positive they hold a tiebreaker, head-to-head tiebreaker with Chicago. Now we're talking about not the wild card spot, but the uh, the closed the the Eastern Conference second place spot, uh, which right. you know would be huge not only for home field advantage, but put them in a situation where now they're not having to worry about teams like Dallas catching them or Salt Lake catching them. They're having to worry about you know possibly DC catching them, and I, I think that's a whole different story because I think DC hasn't been playing well lately. I mean you got Toronto who've been off and on, but I think that makes this game even more important. You know, you can say the Revs get a tie here and beat Columbus. Uh, I think that's a lot less favorable than if the Revs were to win this one and then you know go into Columbus needing a tie or or a win. Uh, this is the if they end up with four points from the last um, two games, I think it's a lot more important that the win comes against Chicago. So this game that makes this game even more important. And at the same time, there's no way that Chicago's going to want to be giving up that spot. So this should be Excellent. a very interesting game. Excellent observation. I, I have a great point. Um, yeah, this this game by far. Uh, with, in terms of the, the playoff seedings and all that other stuff. Um, granted, the Revs need as many points as possible out of the next two games. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to, if you could only get a win out of one of them, you'd want them to be against Chicago. Uh, great point, Sean. Thanks. All right. Um, so that's, uh, that's another week of us babbling about the Revs. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will hopefully be at the game tomorrow night. Um, depends on... Uh, which buddy of mine is going to come through with a ticket for me. Uh, but I will more than likely be uh, in the stands um, in the rain. <laughs> we've uh, we've had a, a good luck against uh, the fire in the rain, especially uh, in the playoffs in the past. But um, let's hope that uh, we, we have enough left in the tank, so to speak, to, to find the goal at least at least once tomorrow night and, and manage a clean sheet for Matt Reese. Uh, Sean, thanks again. This is great. Um, let's let's uh, get together next week and we can talk about this game and uh, we'll preview the final game of the season against uh, Columbus Crew. Hopefully it will still be just as important. <laughs> yes, if not more so. Uh, <laughs> well, hopefully not as important. But, uh, yeah, and then hopefully we'll continue on in the playoffs and we can uh, – my, my prediction of making a uh, – an outstanding playoff run will come true for the New England Revolution. Well, you, you never know with Steve Nichols. As bad as things look, you know, he always seems to pull it together for the playoffs. I mean, even last year when they you know, limped into the playoffs and had the injuries, they gave Chicago a very tough fight. Uh, I think that's one thing that you can't argue with with Nichols about is he's been great at getting this team together and 
making them a playoff-ready team, regardless of who's been out and who's been available and you know, what form they've been in. So if they can sneak in there, and again, they have made the playoffs every year under Steve Nichol. He's been good at doing that even in these situations. You know, if they can sneak in there, who knows what could happen. All right. Okay, my friend, uh, thanks again. And everybody, uh, thanks for listening. If you are listening, we appreciate it. Uh, let us know. You can reach me at uh, RevsMidnightRide at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash MidnightRevs. Sean, your uh, email, RevolutionRecap at gmail.com? Yep, that's correct. All right. And uh, uh, you don't do Twitter yet, I guess. but uh, You can find uh, Revolution Recap on Facebook as well. And we- Try to keep you posted on what's going on here, too. Good stuff. All right. Um, All right, everyone. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch up with you guys next week.